You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education. I'm Avram Kivilevich, and I'm here with Rabbi Michael Broid. Rabbi Broid, um, who has uh, uh, graciously agreed to speak with us. Rabbi Broid, as many of our listeners remember, uh, spoke with us so eloquently and importantly after the death of our mutual Rebbe, and, and it wasn't my colleague, but my Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Dalia Dov Schwartz, Zechot Tzadok Levrocha. And uh, I thought that it was time again to be toya al kankanoi, especially since uh, I've been hearing and reading uh, about some of the amazing things that Rabbi Broid, and again, I use amazing, which is sort of hyperbole, but I really think it is uh, in terms of the work Rabbi Broid is doing, not only in his teaching for the students that are Zoha uh, at Emory and Stanford and other places uh, to be macabre from him, but especially as a teacher in in the world of mechkar, the world of writing, especially what we call scholarly articles, written, um, I think, in an unmatched way in terms of uh, his prose that is, is able really to get things that are extremely complex and to break them down in a way that person could really understand them. And now I know that Rabbi Broid is uh, about to publish, uh, correct me if it's, if it's not yet published, but very soon to publish what I believe is a groundbreaking work on the Orchashulchan, Rabbi Chil Michal Levi Epstein, Zechot Tzadok Levrocha, a book that's called Setting the Table, which is really an analysis of the, uh, am I, I don't have the subtitle in front of me, the Halachic Jurisprudence, is that it, of Rabbi Chil? Yeah. I think I got it pretty much. So, and um, I know the book is ready to come out. And, and, and Rabbi Bird, before we started recording, you mentioned to me that unlike many other labors of, of, uh, of, of, of scholarly work, this one was extremely, extremely enjoyable for you. And uh, you were able to, to really sink your teeth into the, to the, to the, to the, to the wealth of material that the Aruch HaShulchan has bequeathed to Klal Yisrael. So why don't you talk first about um, what inspired you uh, to, to write this uh, overview and uh, analysis of uh, Rav Epstein's Mahalach and Halacha? I guess the starting point is to recognize that the Aruch HaShulchan and the Aruch HaShulchan Ha'atid are together a groundbreaking, unparalleled work. Really, from the Rambam to the Aruch HaShulchan, there's nobody who's undertaken this kind of vast, systemic, complete, and integrated codification of all of halacha. The Aruch HaShulchan and the Aruch HaShulchan HaAsid is a nearly full and complete codification of all of halacha. When you ask who else has written something like that, um, the answer is few and far between. Uh, the tour and the Beis Yosef um, and many others really have spent their time on Dalad Chelke Shulchan Aruch. But even then, when you ask how many people have written a full and complete commentary on Dalad Chelke Shulchan Aruch, it's not a list with a hundred names on it. And the Aruch HaShulchan, uh, after writing a full and complete commentary on Dalad Chelke Shulchan Aruch, stops to write a full and complete commentary on 
every other aspect of halacha that isn't found in Dalad Chalkei Shulchan Aruch. And it's clear that um, he is synthesizing and sharing his own view. It is in that sense uh, amazing. Um, and uh, can I, let, me stop, let, me, let me stop? Let me stop you there sure. for a second, because <laughs> what you're saying is undoubtedly factually correct. But you know, and and one of the things I tried to uh, acquire as soon as I knew about of its existence was the Rachashulchan Osid, which I think originally was printed by Meister of Cook. Don't you find though that that it sort of peters out? I mean. Uh, the, it, 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 you know the Arachashulchan, especially you know Arachaim, which I know uh, your the article that of yours that I read uh, does such a great analysis of. But even in other halakim, you find a feistiness and argumentation, a, an ability to. Uh, many times I have found the Arachashulchan Osid is pretty much a restatement of the Rambam, and you know a little bit of organization done. He he, he did he, technically yes, he wrote on everything. But but I think the Archa Shulchan Osid is more of a of a blip. I mean, it, 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 it definitely shows where he wanted to go, but it, it doesn't seem to me as finished and as developed as like like his Chalokim. If you take a look at what he writes and Hilchas Avelus and other places like that, he, he is he, he is a, a groundbreaker and a director. I don't get that from the Archa Shulchan Osid. I, I agree what, with you. The Archa Shulchan Osid. Um, is written later in his life, and it's clear that the last four volumes he's physically flagging. But even if we say, okay, that's right, he only wrote magnificently, spectacularly, innovatively on all of the Shulchan Aruch and two-thirds of the material that's not found in the Shulchan Aruch, and then he limps along for Helpless Eruchin, that's quite an accomplishment, meaning... Choshen Mishpat, Evina Ezer, Yoridea, and Orachayim are spectacularly well done. Choshen Mishpat is uh, stronger than Orachayim, actually. Um, why, why don't you explain that? Because most, I think most of our listeners, I hope we have many, uh, will probably aren't that familiar because they are. Most of people are just most people's halachic learning. Is really uh, or a Chaim centered? Why do you think the Choshen Mishpat, in your mind, is is even is even greater? He he, he genuinely resynthesizes Choshen Mishpat um, in a way that nobody else had done. Unlike or which in truth was already successfully reprocessed by the Chaye Adam, while the Archa Shulchan is a, a, an interesting work on Arachayim. It's in no way, shape, or form the first work of its type on Arachayim. The Chaye Adam and many others had plowed the field of Arachayim before the Archa Shulchan did. The Archa Shulchan's replowing of Choshen Mishpa is, um, is a replowing of a field that hadn't been plowed in a long time by many others. Or if, if, if it was plowed, it was plowed in a way to mine something completely different, the Ktsos and the Sivas, and starting with Rabionis and Ibishits and the Tumim, they were basic, that was basically a sandbox to, to reconstruct the Sugis again and to have a fun time. They're with, doing lambdas. The Arfa Shulchan is the first successful replowing of Choshen Mishpah to determine normative commercial law. 
neither the Kitsos nor the Nasivos are replowing Choshen Mishpah to tell people how to live their commercial lives. They're replowing Choshen Mishpah for analytic reasons rather than for halachic reasons. You wouldn't know how to live your commercial life after learning the Kitsos. Uh, agreed. I'll tell you an attempt, and again, I, you know, having you here and having someone to talk to of your intelligence and breadth just get just spurs me. So I just want to throw out an attempt that was made that didn't really go too far. Was uh, and I, it's one of my favorites. Farm is Tzvi Hirsch Kalisher's Mesnaim Lemishbat, where he, where, where he, but he, 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 Peter, but that was to me. He was trying to do exactly what you were talking about, but you know he had to pay. He had to do a lot of work in his Rebbe the Nasivas, but he was he was trying to get in many ways to a halachic reality for his days. But he. So, so I just want to note that that um, the Aruch Hashulchan's success in many areas contrasts with other Gedolim's failure in even a single area. Tzvi Kalisher can't pull it off even just in Choshen Mishpat. And the Orach HaShulchan pulls it off not just in Choshen Mishpat, but in Orachayim and in Yoridea and in most of Evan Ezer and in Hilchot Sanhedrin and in many, many, many other areas. This, when you acknowledge the following truth, um, lots of people thought, knew that this was needed in Choshen Mishpat and they couldn't pull it off even just in Choshen Mishpat. And he pulls it off in so many areas. That's what makes it so, so impressive. Meaning, let's take the modern recitation of Choshen Mishpat, which is the 10-volume Pischei Choshen. Yes. It's a, a magnificent, very impressive work. A peer of the Aruch HaShulchan. But essentially, the author of the Pischei Choshen writes that work, plus the Bris Yehuda and Hilchus Ribbis, plus one or two small works. The Aruch HaShulchan does this in David Chelke Shulchan Aruch plus more. That, what, what makes the Aruch Shulchan so impressive is the breadth of what he does. And let me say as follows. Um, it's clear when you learn large amounts of Aruch Shulchan that he's an integrationist. He's doing Choshen Mishpat, already aware of the fact that the principles that he's going to use in Choshen Mishpat, he's going to use again in Orachayim. And he's going to use again in Evan Ezer. Like the Rambam, he has a theory of the whole. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's itself very impressive. Halacha rewards people who have a theory of the whole. I, I think one of the things that you uh, indicate in the, um, I'm not sure what you would call the, the article. I guess it's sort of like a, uh, a teaser for the book, the one that you sent me. It's sort of like a 70-page uh, uh, coming attractions uh, of the book. Um, again, I use a lot of movie metaphors, but it's, it's sort of like that's the, that was the feeling that I got. Um, you know, you had the three highlights at the end about the three places where the Archashok is different than the Mishnabura. But one of the things that you mentioned in that, in that uh, article that uh, was the, the ability... Uh, to constrain yourself. Uh, one of the re- we talk about Kalisher and Blau, <coughs> the writers of Mazdaim Lamishput and Pisli Choshen. <coughs> one of the things that undermines Kalisher is that he needs to be Mafalpil with his Koidmip, uh, despite the fact that his purpose is to get to Wapsak, and he actually inserts his own comments within the text of the Shulchan Aruch, 
but he can't help but deal with this kasha, this point, and he has to be metaritz this yisod. And 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 Blau, similarly, if one takes the pischikoshen, you are overwhelmed by the footnotes because he's got his points, but he needs to deal with the the mountain of literature, conflicting ideas and views, and because of that, he slogs through. Eventually, there's a lot of maskonas, but the type of learning he had to do that he did didn't allow himself, no matter how many years he was working on it. Whereas I think what you have pointed out in your article is that the Aruch HaShulchan, although he was clearly capable of doing such a thing, resisted that in order to build what he needed to do. And that took, that took the editor in him. This isn't relative. This isn't relevant. This is obviously a different issue. I'm zeroing in on the goal. And that is that, that, is that fortitude that he shows in his writing and 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 and, and, and right and his single mindedness towards what he's trying to get at. And there's something very base Yosef about it, in the sense that the Machaber in the base Yosef really says, "I'm going to write on everything." And when you say to him, "Let's stop and spend a year on this point," he says, "I don't have time." The Aruch Hashulchan clearly has a goal of uh, of bringing Jewish law into a different place. And to me, um, that idea is not I'm going to do it in one field, but I'm going to do it in many, many, many different fields. And I have to then undertake to read all, all of halacha. It's not enough to redo one room. I have to redo the whole house of halacha. And the Archa Shulchan clearly does redo the whole house. Um, in my view, the Aruch HaShulchan is starting the process of preparing Jewish law for modernity. And, um, and, and, and you know, of course, Rabbi Broid, because you've done your research, you know that uh, you, you mentioned in the article the, the, um, the, the various voices that were raised against the Aruch HaShulchan when it came out. There were some critique. Again, I wasn't able to pinpoint what, but I grew up and in my yeshiva world and my chesedish world that I was a part of for a number of years, hearing about the uh, antipathy towards the Aruch HaShulchan. I remember the chesedim say, "Gamach parker the Shulchan Aruch." In other right. words, they right? call the Shulchan Aruch Hafuch. Yeah, yeah. Shulchan Aruch Hafuch, which is right. a wonderful pun. Right, but, which is which shows you that there was resistance to the chidushim. I mean, we all know that the Mishnah Bura. Even in uh, one of the areas you touch in, which of course is Erevin, uh, not what you talked about, which is the 600,000 uh, necessity of 600,000 people in one spot, but in terms of using telegraph poles, that's one of the few places where the Mishnabura references in one of it's either in the Sharatziun, a footnote to a modern safer, I forgot which one it was, that dealt with that issue. And, and whereas, right, it's almost like here's the edifice. Like Steinscheider said about again, I, he said about we're going to give it a great. He said we're going to give it a great burial. That was Steinscheider said we're going to give we're going to give Jewish literature the greatest burial it had. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is he polished the edifice that was existing, and yet he resisted. Although the farm were already out in the late 19th century about new things that were going on, he resisted the Mishnah talking about them, and the Aruch of course is the pioneer in many ways of dealing with them, which brings us to the great elephant in the room uh, that we haven't talked about, which I know 
really uh, is, is what you wanted to talk about originally, which is the, the difference between these two great works, the Rachel and the Mishnah Bura. And um, much of your article is devoted to that. There have been others, honestly, that have also, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording, uh, Chaim Salvechik, Professor Chaim Salvechik, in his Rupture and Reconstruction, has a number of, of, of very uh, illuminating footnotes where he, where he shows the great contrast between the two. Uh, what I was very taken by in reading your uh, essay was how you had actually not only contrasted the two and said, oh, they're very different, but you actually had come up with uh, the rules of both of them and what they were both about. And using that as a, as a as, 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 once you had that methodology, being able to really bring out and flesh out uh, such essential differences between the two. So I know you have a lot to say in this area, but Make, go ahead and make some points in that, in, 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 which is what you really wanted to talk about. I guess I want to start with uh, in what ways they're similar. Because sometimes post-GIM approach matters very differently because they come from very different cultural milieus. The Aruch HaShulchan and the Mishnah Brewer come from similar cultural milieus. They lived 65 miles apart, 70 miles apart. They speak the same language. They live under the same secular government. Um, they deal with the same economic structure. The czar rules over both of them. They have a lot in common culturally. This stands in contrast to, let's imagine if I were to contrast the Ben Chai with the Mishnabura, I would see readily the Ben Chai and the Mishnabura are living very different lives. One's living under Christianity, one's living under Islam. One's living in very hot Baghdad. One is living in very cold Poland. And one is speaking Arabic as his first language. One is speaking Yiddish. There's so many differences that and they have different libraries substantively. The Mishnah Bura and the Orach HaShulchan are growing up in the same cultural milieu. They're approximately contemporaries. They live in the same economic structure. They have so much in common. And yet on the very basic question of how should normative Jewish law function, they approach the world so differently. The Arach HaShulchan is residing firmly in the tradition which says three core tools are used to resolve disputes of halacha. The first core tool is my ability to learn Gemara, the Aruch HaShulchan says, and resolve disputes analytically. I can learn and think and resolve. So says the Aruch HaShulchan. This is tempered by two temperings, which is the unanimous or near unanimous consensus of the postkin before me and Mina Yisrael. So he tempers his idea of what the halacha is only when he runs incredibly against the consensus or when he's flagrantly defying the universal minog. The Mishnabrura, on the other hand, and this is a very big other hand, says, I lack the ability to resolve grand disputes that come before me analytically. The Mishnabura rarely tells you, really, 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 very rarely tells you what he thinks is correct shot in the Gemara. 
Um, you would learn the Mishnah Bura over and over again and rarely encounter the sugya, whereas Yerach HaShulchan always starts with the sugya. The Mishnah Bura thinks that disputes of contemporary halacha are essentially resolved by reference to consensus. And the Mishnah Bura doesn't think consensus is majority or minority. He constructs the life of a religious Jew along the following spectrum. The best thing to do is to do something that everybody agrees works. The next best thing to do, which is also excellent, is to do something that fulfills most opinions. It's minimally satisfactory to do something that fulfills a majority of opinions. And in time of need, you can rely on any significant minority view. And when I asked the Mishnah Brewer, who's right? He says, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I have in front of me 10 or 12 profound halachic authorities and um, you should adopt a course of practice that at least six of them, seven of them agree to. And really, ideally, you should adopt a course of practice that more agree to. And I can't really tell you who's right and who's wrong because I lack the ability. I, I don't know if he really lacks the ability, but he professes a lack of ability to be machria disputes among the Rishonim or disputes in the Gemara. The Arach can, 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 can I stop you just for a second? Sure. Um, and I, what you have just described is, of course, uh, written up very wonderfully in, in the article that I read. And, um, you know, I've been uh, teaching the Mishnah Bura for, this is my ninth year, uh, teaching it every single day. And, and uh, going through it as part of the Deer Shoe program. So I am, I'm actually going to push back on this um, because uh, you're in my wheelhouse a little bit. I'm Good. not a... Great. <laughs> okay, so we, I'm going to push back. I have not been teaching Mishnah Bura every day. You might be a much bigger expert than I no, am. No, no. Look, clearly, you know, sometimes you don't see uh, the forest because of the trees. Uh, however, since I got a Mishnah Bura when I was, uh, my first Mishnah I got when I was 11 years old. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've had many editions since then. So I've been definitely living in the Mishnah Bura's world, but not as intently as I have for the last close to my 10 years. My go-to Mishnah Bura was given to me by Rabbi Friedman at the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach when I was bar mitzvahed there in seventh grade. It has my name inscribed in it. And it's the, my go-to Mishnah Bura. I have a few better editions, but my go-to Mishnah Bura is the one I got when I was just 13, graduating from Howard. So I know that feeling. Right. Okay. So all that being said, I believe that, and again, part of this is knowing a little bit behind the scenes, because we know that the Bera Aloha, the Bayura Aloha, was a work that was a team effort. We know that it was actually overseen by the Chavetz Chaim, by Mayor Kagan, but his son-in-laws took a role. But I know that just knowing who he was, that he was invested in the ideas that you find there. I think the safer that is completely his is the much ignored part of the Mishnah Bura, the Sharat Siyun. And I think that you see there, I'm going to go with your last point. <clears throat> Often, <clears throat> he will show you that 
uh, I, I, I wasn't matik this one, Lahalocha. I wasn't matik this task. There, you can see there a lot of the material that he does excise, despite the provenance and the greatness of the people. He says, I didn't even quote this one. I know that you people who are looking down here realize that I have ignored them. So I, I, within, he doesn't always try. Oh, he's this scared uh, accountant who doesn't want to upset the boss. He does throw certain shittas. I wouldn't call it under the bus, but completely he, 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 he finds them unconvincing to the point that they don't even make it. Secondly, there are many places where you see his muscular Talmudic knowledge. First of all, there are sections of the Shulchan Aruch where the Mishnah feels nothing was done. He says, I'm going to have to give you a hakdama here. And he'll tell you what, because Ksiva is not even mentioned directly as one of the simonim in Ilkha Shabbos. Here's the sugya. And he basically streamlines it and tells you, and tells you the basic shittas. Often, when there is a, a very difficult, uh, uh, cryptic, and, and, and uh, labyrinthic-like uh, statements of the Mishnah of the Shulchan Aruch, he says, I got to step back here and unravel a little bit of Talmudic knowledge for you and show you what this thing is based on, because you're going to see this and you're going to be confused. Let me show you what the sugya is, and now you'll understand. Now, um, there's all, and throughout, and again, the Be'er Halacha for sure, there are places where he says it doesn't jive with the Gemara, and I don't think he's just saying, I've got this list and that list, and look, I've now developed 20 on this side against 10 on the other. He will say, and they fit into the Gemara better. He will say how the, he will many times reference uh, especially when the Sharetzian explain how the Lushan of the Gemara and suggest various girsos that those Rishona might have had in the Gemara. So I, I find that he is quite a Talmudist. And I think that if you read carefully, you will see uh, a powerful decisor. Uh, again, you're right, the 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 uh, the construction of the book and what it seems to be is oh how can I make sure everybody is doing everything that's right and nobody should ever oh I'm just Mr. Frumi no this man is a is 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 a giant in thinking and he isn't just amassing things because you want to be over against the das of one of these Rishonim I, think... I don't I agree with you but I want to stop to say as well. go ahead the Mishnah is a big mako frequently. The exact construct of the Mishnaburah is not either a Chumrah or a Kula. The Mishnaburah's view is as follows. Um, halacha is a spectrum. And in time of need, you can rely on a minority view. Uh, and um, it's better to fulfill as many views. And it's acceptable to rely on a minority view um, in time of need. You're right. The Sharetzion is more learned, more analytic, more Talmudic than the Mishnaburah. But this is itself sort of interesting. The Mishnaburah writes a work in which um, the primary text is not Talmudic. The secondary text, um, the Bir Halacha, is not deep, deeply Talmudic. And um, you tell... You tell me, which I think is correct, that the Shah Hatzion is sometimes more Talmudic than that, but that itself is an enormous statement. 
having written a multi-layered work showing his power of hachra only in the footnotes to the footnotes, um, is itself sort of a, a powerful statement as to how he thinks normative Jewish law should function. The Aruch HaShulchan is happy to say to Amcha, normal people who can read the Aruch HaShulchan, um, I have learned the sugya, and um, because I have learned the sugya and I have thought it through and I've determined this view is correct, you should do this. And the Mishnah Burra is comfortable only saying that to the people who can learn the footnotes of the footnotes, but not the text of the Mishnah Burra at all. The text of the Mishnah Burra at all is not either I'm very from or I'm very not from. The text of the Mishnah Burra, though, has an important theory of Jewish law. The important theory of Jewish law is as follows. Um, The generations have been diminished. And our ability to resolve a dispute between Gedole Rishonim by thinking about it and saying, I have figured it out, here's what I think is diminished. And we have to be somewhat skeptical of views which say, I can re-examine disputes among the Rishonim and resolve them. Um, That which the Aruch HaShulchan spends his whole life doing which is, I'm going to share with you three different shitot rishonim, and then I'm going to give you a raya or two or three as to which one is correct. And then I'm going to pask in that way. That's not something that the Mishaburah feels comfortable routinely doing. This helps us explain, by the way, why somebody like Rav Moshe Feinstein is well noted to be more comfortable with the Aruch HaShulchan than the Mishnah They shared a methodology. Rav Moshe thought that he was capable of resolving disputes among the Rishonim, period. And indeed, Rav Moshe thought he was capable of arguing with Rishonim when he had good proofs. And when you said to him, who are you? He said, excuse me, I am Moses Feinstein. And I'm a thinking Jew, and I've thought about this. This is enough for me. And Rabbi Epstein would say the same thing. I am Yechiel Michal Epstein, and I am learned, and I've thought this through. Um, I think the Mishnah Berurah thought that this was not within the power of the typical person in our current time, in our current place. And he doesn't mean a typical person like me, a, a country bumpkin who lives in a small southern state. He means even it's not within the purview of himself. He, he's uncomfortable resolving disputes between Rishonim other than by reference to majority and minority in time of need. Or um, Rove and Miud and Sarah Hefzid and Hefzid Maruba and things like that. He rarely says um, these Rishonim are correct because they're analytically consistent with the Gemara. You're right, he does sometimes in the footnotes to the footnotes in the Sharetzian, but he doesn't routinely. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't call the Sharetzian footnotes to the footnotes. I think that actually he, and again, this is maybe a quibbling on semantics, but I think that, you know, it's, it's anybody, you and I are clearly in that same mold. We, Whenever we see a footnote, we are automatically shoot down there. There are many readers who are just going to skip these 
these letters, but most of the people who already learn it on their own, the people of Israel Salanter would say, Paskin on your own, don't call the Rav. I think they will uh, see. I, I think he realized there was going to be an audience and, and history has shown him to be magnificently correct beyond his wildest dreams of people who don't look at the Sharad scene. People like that Bar Mitzvah boy in Long Beach and myself in Memphis at 11 and 12, who are just trying to read the actual text. But he knew that people would be checking things out. And I, I think he is trying to have a book that's accessible to all. I, you know, I agree with you. Yes, I, 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 but, the, but the Mishnah Brewer works without the Shard Seal. And, and if you take a look at the, and let's talk about the Bear Alocha for a minute, whether he is the sole author of it or not. The, if you would take the Lumdisha. Let me stop. I don't agree. He is the sole author. There might be more than one writer. Okay. This is very important. He doesn't put anybody else's name on it. And he never says, he never said to anybody when they asked him, why did you say this? He didn't say, oh, I didn't write this. Somebody else wrote it. He, he uses, Rabbi Bro, let me just tell you, in the Baraloka often, and again, I haven't done a computer search. You can do it with yourself or with Rabbi Pill. You'll notice that he uses the, the, the plural, and he's not doing it in a royal fashion. Kosavnu. He says that often in the Ber Halacha, which to me is an indicator that he was working with his son-in-laws, whoever it was. But anyway, I think that's it. He never a, tells you who they are. He never gives them credit, and he never says this is a group effort. It's not like, uh, for example, the Ber Elio, the commentary on the Grah, where Rabbi Rackover says, I have a team, here's the name of the teams, and here's the Simonim each of the team members worked on. Yeah. This is not a team effort in any conventional okay. sense of the word. He doesn't tell you who they are. You wouldn't know this. All right, so all the more so. I would posit, despite all the, the Orach HaShulchan's accomplishments and incredible hachros, uh, the brilliance that is found in the Be'er Alocha, over and over again is 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 unmatched the type of lumdus the type of 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 of, of subtlety in terms of coming up with tirutzim that aren't anywhere like oh here's a balabatish asfara but rather lumdus that you could just spend years teaching in yeshivas there and 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 in that way i don't you, you are, I'm blown away. It's 100% clear what they say over, uh, I think it was, maybe it was Rabbi Baruch Bear. I'm not sure who was the author of this epigram. That Maybe it was Rabbi Chesko Abramsky. I don't know. But I've heard it from both of them, that the Mishnabura is miskase his goinus in his tzidkus. That the tzidkus is wrapped around. And you mentioned that, the the, the worrying about being yoy to the shittas. But there is true really off the, the chart brilliance there. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I, I don't agree. I don't see I that I don't see that in the Arach Shulchan as regularly as it is in the Baralocha. That's just my my so feeling. I, I, I'll even agree with that in the following sense. The Arach Shulchan has a plottingly anal, analytic methodology that's incredibly impressive because um, he develops an analytic style and he then takes his analytic style and he goes through everything with this analytic style. 
the Mishnah Brura has much less consistent analytic style, and he's much more inclined to resolve, after he's done doing all of the analysis, he's much more inclined to line up Rishonim and say, the best thing to do is to follow a view that everybody agrees to um, as a consensus. The number of times where the Mishavura does a hachra that's unique to him, unsubstantiated, is um, few and far between. I, I mean, I, I like to give the following example because it's a very powerful, good one. Um, the Mishnabura, when we think about Tefillin on Cholomoed, the Mishnabura is caught because it's a rare dispute in Halacha. There are two shitot here, and you can't be strict. One shita says you must put Tefillin on on Cholomoed. You don't put tefillin on cholamoid, you're a sinner. And another school of thought says you must not put tefillin on cholamoid. Not you don't have to, but you must not. And these are two well-established schools in Rishonim. Yorach HaShulchan reviews the two schools of the Rishonim, the two schools of Mechokim, of the codifiers, and then he says, and the Ashkenazi minag is to put tefillin on, the Sephardi minag is not, and the Hasidim don't as well, and everybody should do their own minag. I have no novel way to resolve this dispute other than reliance on custom. What does the Mishnaburah say? It's, by the way, one of the few times where the Mishnaburah's hachra is rejected by everybody. The Mishnaburah says, yeah, this is a very serious problem. We need to craft a method for fulfilling both views, because I don't know what to do here. I can't tell you this is right or this is right. I'm hesitant to say to you rely on the minhag because everybody's minhag is an avera according to somebody else. So the Mishaburah proposes as follows. Everybody should put tefillin on and cholamoid. And what should they say when they're putting tefillin on and cholamoid? If this isn't a mitzvah, then it's as if I'm not doing it. And if it is a mitzvah, then I am doing it. The Mishnaburah has to adopt this complex solution because he's deeply uncomfortable um, in this situation because he can't be machmir latzes kolodeus. He can't propose an ideal solution that fixes all the problems. Either you have to say, you're going to do A and the, the B school will consider you a sinner, or you're going to do B and the A school's going to consider you a sinner. And the Mishnah doesn't like that. So he has to adopt an AB school or a BA school to allow you to be Latzes Kolodeus. It's a very classical Mishnah Brewerism. I, I agree with you, and I, and I, and I take, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, how the Aruch HaShulchan um, didn't think in such terms and was understood that this was uh, unsolvable uh, conundrum, so to speak, and let all the Minhagim stand considering that. However, it's not as <laughs> the pretzel-like um, proposal is very similar to what the Shulchan Aruch itself deals with and the major post when it comes to Sphiris Omer, when it comes to being in a shul where they're counting the Omer early and you have this idea of knowing that there's two shitas, is it the Rabbanan, is it the Raisa, is it night or not? And you find the post 
speaking about having this, okay, when you're in shul, have kavana not to be yotze, and this way you can count it later. So we do find, you know, as, as, as tortured as I think you describe it, it's novel in terms of tefillin, but it's not so strange to what we find in other areas of halacha, where we, where these divergent opinions have now confronted the average guy, the average person, and he needs to sort of like jump in in such a way and have what you what you call the tortured, you know, mental thoughts that. I think you even say like normal people wouldn't do it. Right? I think well, part- I don't mean to. I'm not voicing any criticism of the Mishnah Brewer. My point exactly is, is that the Mishnah Brewer is uh, uncomfortable with situations in which a choice has to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier in a situation in which, um, in, in which. It's either a mitzvah or not a mitzvah, but situations in which I pick this example because the exact same conduct is a mitzvah according to some and an avera according to others. Yeah, it's but... not so common. Yeah, Here's I agree. There is not an exactly parallel example because if I count with, I can always count without a bracha and thus I, I lose very little. Here it's very hard to figure out how to resolve this. No, 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 no. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think you know. You're, you know. Obviously, this is it's further complicated by the fact that the Isser involved uh, stems from Kabbalistic sources from the Zohar and not from the Talmud itself. Um, there would be a Petur based on the Gemara. Uh, I don't think Baltoisip is really. Uh, is, is one of the issues, but I think it's the the Zohar strong language that that brings the that brings the machaber. As again, it's one of the it's one of the greatest pieces of the Beis which I know you're very familiar with, which is how to integrate the Zohar into halacha, even though it goes against the Rishonim. But this goes into the the Beis Yosef's belief how important the Zohar was, and if it can be shoehorned into the Talmudic sources that one needs to accept an interpretation based on that, which is really uh, the Beis Yosef's approach there. Let me ask you just two more points. I know that, you know, obviously any work of, of, of Mechgar that you do, and, 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 and again, it would take 45 minutes for me to just list all the things you've written about, is obviously a labor of love. You're, you appreciate the learning. Um, in this work of the Archa Shulchan that's going to be published soon, is your purpose to try to m- nudge more people to adopting the Aruch HaShulchan? Now that you they've 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 read uh, Rabbi Broid's book, Rabbi Broid and Rabbi Pill's book, to now change things and people should perhaps adapt his approach more than it has been. Um, is there a uh, are you after something other than? Uh, putting out an interesting scholarly work, because part of our uh, discussions that we have on this forum, this modest forum, is challenges in Jewish education. Are you trying to maybe ch- shift things a little bit away? Because we know when it comes to the Mishnah Brura, every single week, somebody is publishing some greater work, a Sephardi version of the Mishnah Brura, uh, a section, this uh, ultra section. Um, and, and, and the Aruch HaShulchan, despite, and you mentioned, of course, uh, Rav Hankin, Eitam uh, Hankin, Hashem Yokum Dom, the the wonderful tzaddik uh, uh, Kodesh Hashem, and, and and the reliance you had on this. Other than, uh, are, are you trying? What are you again? Are you trying to 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 push him 
into the center more and that he should be more appreciated and, and, and maybe change uh, halakhic perspectives? Um, it, it, it's an act of goal to think about changing halakhic perspectives. I would say as follows, um, as we become a more learned community, where more and more people are approaching halakhic topics, starting with the Gemara, um, uh, learning Yerach HaShulchan forms a valuable analytic way for people who are at their core Gemara learners to go from the Gemara um, to the Torah Shulchan Aruch uh, to contemporary practice. Um, the Mishnah Brura encourages some aspect of disconnect from Gemara learning to contemporary halacha, which has advantages and disadvantages and is a much longer conversation. But there are certainly people out there who, who enjoy the deeper connect between the Gemara and the normative halacha. And learning Yerach HaShulchan is an excellent technique for generating that detailed connection between um, learning Gemara and contemporary practice. I think that the more firmly we ground pedagogically um, what we do with the Talmudic sources, the stronger our pedagogic practice is. Uh, so, so, yeah. let, so let me ask you on, on that, because as, as great as the Aruch HaShulchan was in terms of the 19th century pioneer, you mentioned in your article, and I, I, I again, I, I read it late last night, but the two points time that I saw them, you, you mentioned the Marshal um, uh, twice in the article that I read. Mm-hmm. And one way you talk about his, his marginal influence, um, and then you, another time you mentioned how it represents a fifth approach. I'm a big chassid of the Yam Shoshleimah. Um, there was someone who I thought was going to be my son-in-law uh, that I gave him a Yam Shoshoiba, and I said, we, we, have to need, we have to have a Seder in this. Eventually, he broke up with my daughter, but I haven't gotten the Seder back. But the point is, is that I feel, you know, that, that what you're talking about was really, you know, the critique and the flag that the Reflamaluria was waving, uh, which is really, if you think about it, it's upending the hegemony of the Shulchan Aruch, right? In other words, the Mishnah Burr is keeping the hegemony of the Shulchan Aruch incredibly intact. In fact, he is actually plastering over uh, the, the problems and, 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 and still ensconcing it as, as this great work, as opposed to, even though the Aruch HaShulchan is really an explainer of what you're going to read in the, in the Shulchan Aruch, what you would say is that you're going to throw the training wheels off and go back to the Shulchan Aruch again. I'm sorry, go back to the Gemara again, which is what the Yam Shoshlomo's whole problem was, or Shlomo's whole problem with what the Beisayza was doing. It was so frustrating to him because he, he, definitely, lo- he definitely was impressed by Rabbi Yosef Cairo's Havchana and Rabbi Yosef Cairo had done with, 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 with the Gemaras that he did in Beis Yosef, but he was so frustrated that he decided to turn it into a compendium and to a codex and turn it into a, 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 a which in some ways severed the connection. Uh, and it sounds like you're sort of like hoping for a return to the Marshal's dream. No, I, there's a middle ground that the Aruch HaShulchan occupies that I like very much, which is the tours organization of Halacha is very useful and convenient. And it serves as a reshuffling of the Talmudic deck in organizationally worthwhile ways. 
the organizational process in Gemara is too complicated for normative halacha. The Yamsho Shlomo not only didn't like the process of codification, he didn't like even the reorganization of the halacha in the framework of the tour. The Arach HaShulchan is building an intermediate structure, uh-huh. which is the Talmudic sugyas are reorganized um, around the organizational process of the Shulchan Arach, so that the connection between Gemara learning and halacha learning um, is clearly paved, but the reorganizational process first employed by the tour and then solidified by the Beis Yosef remains intact organizationally. Um, I, I like that hybrid ground. Mm. Um, Even I, though for some, for some people that starting place, which is going to be the tour or the Shulchan Aruch, they might not have the energy or the gumption to go back to the sugya. I know many times, I'm sure you've learned with Chavrusas that said, hey, look, I don't have time to look in the Gemara. Let's just take it from here. And, right, and so yet- the Beis Yosef, the Aruch HaShulchan is designed to allow that shortcut while giving you a deep familiarity with the sugyas. You wouldn't get that, in my view, in the Mishnah Brewer. You I wouldn't agree. get the sugyas in the Mishnah Brewer the way you get the sugyas in the Aruch HaShulchan. The Aruch HaShulchan helps bridge the pedagogy gap between the Gemara learners and the halacha practices. Let, let me finish off this conversation with something which, which, which we, <laughs> and again, I, believe me, you know, I've learned a lot by, by having this talk and I hope you haven't, uh, you haven't been too bothered by me my, too. No, I my, it very much. my pesky comments. But what I would say is um, it's been a hundred years and more and look what, we have look what has been spawned in this 100 years you know uh, discounting the terrible horbin of europe uh, during world war ii uh, the advancements in in encyclopedia talmudis in itzra paiskim uh, there's so much that we have pushed the frontier the the knowledge that we've had scientifically uh, you know we were sort of like little foundlings in the beginning of the 20th century in our knowledge of how the world works even the scientists didn't know. Now you find Hilchas Kashras, uh, people who are on the forefront of Hilchas Kashras, uh, the late Ravbelsky is an example and others who were, who studied with precise detail, the exact nature of, 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 of the scientific phenomena that were important to adopt. And yet we don't have really a hundred years later, another book. It's like, we're still back either in the Mishnah Bura, or perhaps in the Archa Shulchan in some people's world. Um, there hasn't been, it's a hundred years, there should be, shouldn't there be another thing, right? The same way if you follow that beautiful history that you wrote of, you know, things developing from commentary to super commentary to the next stage, we haven't had it. Now, there's been a, a timidity, uh, and, and, and you mention uh, an attempt by the 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 Rishon Lezion, uh the son of the uh, the great incredible <laughs> the Chochem Avadia's son Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef as uh, Shlita that he has sort of attempted something like this the Yalkut Yosef I do have a set of Yalkut Yosef I, I definitely look at it all the time it was do you see this as the the next attempt at a great work in this area? Because it sounds like you are, uh, you appreciate it in that way. So the Yaku Yosef is a, a fascinating work and worthy of much more methodological study. 
On one foot, I'm going to lay out the following claim. The Yalkut Yosef is the Mishnabura minus. What do I mean by that? He's deeply committed to the Lambdas, but he's less inclined than the Mishnah Brewer is to say it's good to be strict. Um, he's very interested in determining what the consensus view of the halacha and telling people that they should follow the consensus view of the halacha. And you don't need to be strict more than that. And you shouldn't be lenient less than that. Um, and thus he narrows... Um, the available options repeatedly and in many different settings. He likes to boil the halacha down to one choice, which he demonstrates is the consensus. This is, of course, a gross simplification, and it requires much more work. But yes, I think the Yalku Yosef is going to be known as one of the great works of the late 20th, early 21st century, um, and <laughs> likely to take the place as uh, the normative Sephardic halachic work I think that's already happening. I, let me just un- ask you two points on that. The one point is um, th- there's such an incredible reliance on the psalkim of his father, Zuchan of Abrocha. Um, do you really see his originality there other than his organizational skills? I mean, it seems like most of his achros are all what his father had said, hook, line, and sinker. I, mean, I agree with that, but that's okay. You know, that's a critical. I want to note as follows. The tour's grand contribution to halacha is his organizational skills. The tour's yeah. achra is not particularly powerful. I um, agree. Uh, but the tour leaves an indelible mark on halacha because he organizes halacha into these four different categories <laughs> and he throws things out that needs to be thrown out. The tour makes it as a work with Dore Doros as the child of a goggle with great organizational skills. Maybe you could even say just the idea. Put it this way, the, the material contained in the tour and the way is, is, is incidental. All you need to do, the way he describes it, all you need to do is say, what am I putting in this chalik? What am I putting in that chalik? Right? Of course, your day, of course, is an incredible jumble, but, <laughs> right? But I, I don't agree in the following sense. You're, everything is logically organized into the Baal bias. What do I mean by that? The Rambam puts different food laws in different theological <laughs> areas. The tour organizes the first 150 simonim of Eurydia as cow to, to dinner. Yes, I understand. But it gets a little bit tricky when it comes to ribis and, and, and nida and, and, and other things. Um, <laughs> Right, but it's not. But I want and to. And Avelus, I mean, you got to. Avelus at the end. Where do you want it to be? That's. I, I under. I understand, but again, it's it's you got to. Yoridea is 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 like exciting because you don't know what you're getting. But it, you it, I want to note that most areas the tour is magnificently organized. So when I hand my law students a Mishnah Torah, they know no Judaism. Nothing. And I say, find me where the rules of mourning are found in the Ramba. They can't find it. That's right. That's they can't it. find it. They end up having to pour through all 14 volumes, turning pages. Um, uh, whereas in the tour, it's much more intuitive. It's, it's not in Orachayim. It's, and once you're in your day, you say, I'll bet that the rules of death and burial are at the end. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, he, the tour is very intuitively 
Okay. Again, Hilchat. Again, I, I, again. Right. I, I agree with you. Hilchat For example, why is Hilchat Sneis in Arachayim? Again, why is because you go to sleep at night and you're about you know, have a relationship? Yeah. Maybe that yeah. should be an Evan Ezer. Maybe it should be an Evan Ezer. Hilchat Sneis is after Maru. <laughs> I understand. But no, it, describing the way uh, Amcha works, which is this is something that you do after Maru. Okay. Let me ask you another thing. Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef. Uh, he should live long, long yarn. I have to tell you that that I have always, again, not always, but since I discovered him, and I discovered him in his when he wrote, I think he was in his twenties, when he put out the edition of the um, the Perador mm-hmm. on the Truva Sarambam. His right. other son, uh, Reb David, who I think is the bigger Eli of the two, and uh, I find the Halacha Brura a much for me, maybe it's because I'm Mishnah Bura more centered. I find that a safer that I really can embrace. I think he does a great job telling you what the psak should be, but he also trusts his readership with the wealth of material that has been built up uh, around and all the various uh, opinions uh, in a way that I think his father would have been proud of. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I think Rabbi Yitzchak is very much the way he looks and the way he writes, like had his father lived, maybe his father would have done this. Whereas I think Rabbi David Yosef has really done, has integrated his father, but has expanded his father in a way that the, the um, it, it incorporates so much more. There is, there, there is, there's such, it isn't like, you know, just covered for this Ashkenazi name. There's there, there's an understanding of how the Ashkenazi mentality of Psak works, uh, and I think Reb David, again to me, uh, would, would would be the work I would hope uh, would be a, a, a lasting edifice. But maybe that's. Uh, do you have any? Uh, are you familiar with it, or do you feel that it uh, it's it's it, 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 it pales in comparison to his brother's work? Or I don't know. I, I've learned. I've learned of David Yosef's many times, and you are correct that he has a broader approach to um, the canon of halacha than than others. And I'm not sure which one will make it. I hope that they both. <laughs> I hope yeah. that they both make it. Sort and of like. Yeah. I want to note as follows that there's also, um, you know, the whole Ovadia Yosef Tolidano approach, which is, the, the, you know, Ravavadja has a grandson, Ovadja Yosef Tolidano, who learns in... You tell me, I, I, I'm not familiar. <laughs> he learns in Rabbi Usher Weiss's Kolo. Ah, I see. <laughs> and he is merging the two. Uh, so that might that might be the the next uh, and has he already started to author uh, Maimarim and Piske Halacha? This Maimarim uh, and Piske Halacha. That's so. correct. This is he he this is Ravadio said had twin daughters Rivka and Sarah, and Rivka Tolidano marries Rivka Yosef marries Mordechai Tolidano, um, and their son Ravadio Yosef Tolidano. Works in, um, in um, is it integral to Rabbi Usher Weiss? Uh, and 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 his kolel is of course 
Again, I don't know that much about the inner workings of Usher Weiss Pselkin, which are now so important, I guess, now in the corona period. They've taken on a, a prominence that... Uh, uh, right. Incredibly. But you're, in other words, you're saying he has Hever that work with him. I know that. He has people that do research for him, people that he... We talk about the Bear Halacha. I know that Rav Usher Weiss uh, does employ uh, others to a do... Broad collection. Right. Uh, I guess we what you the the between all these three men is that it goes there's there's a lot of tethering back to the base Yosef as opposed to what as opposed to what I think you correctly write in your article (laughs) the Ramos sometimes extremely troubling and and confusing uh, like like scattershot hagos that sometimes come out of in the Shulchan Aruch, which really cause many people conniptions, like 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 uh, the Mishnah Bura. I think you're correct that the Aruch Hashulchan, you know, can somehow hopscotch over those. But if being tethered back to the Machaber in the Shulchan Aruch, uh, in a way, sort of like uh, soldering off the Ramah's influence, I think is, is in your mind, probably a positive, correct? That's correct. <laughs> All right, this thank was you. a very so- wonderful conversation. This was really very good. Thank you very much. I hope that, and any readers who have questions, listeners who have questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, one of my friends once said to me that I'm much more impressive in writing than in person. And there's <laughs> some truth to that. Please feel free to reach out to me by email. And um, I'm sure I'll respond better than I would in a podcast. (laughs) No no apologies necessary. Thank you again, Robbie Boyd, for your time. Be well, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. (laughs) 